Snap Judgment producer Anna Sussman. She was curled up in front of the TV, having a good night, and she came across something more than a little bit disturbing. Sensitive listeners and those with young children should be advised that this next piece does contain dark imagery. It's not going to happen now. People are crazy, but not that crazy. What if it does happen? What do we do? This is an old made-for-TV movie. My husband brought it home a little while ago and made me watch it. It's called The Day After, about a small town in Kansas when nuclear war destroys America. It's one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. Major Reinhardt, we have a massive attack against the U.S. at this time. ICBMs, numerous ICBMs. Roger, understand. Over 300 missiles inbound now. I had to turn it off, three nights in a row, and I couldn't sleep. You watch as families and children and schools and land and livestock are eaten away by radiation. So I started to read about the film, and I learned that the director, Nicholas Meyer, got really sick himself while he was making it. It scared me, and it scared the actors. The actors had nightmares. We used to refer to them as nuke-mares. Learning about this stuff, plunging into the nitty-gritty of radiation sickness, you came home very beat up and tired and sometimes feeling literally sick. The thing that scared him most was that all of this was a real possibility. He was used to fiction. He directed Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. But this was the 80s. The Reagan administration talked about winnable nuclear war and sending a warning shot to Russia. There were defense plans to evacuate cities, to lose 20% of the population. Nuclear catastrophes seemed very possible, even from the time he was a kid. When I was a kid, I lived in New York, which even then I understood was a target city. And as an imaginative kid, when I would hear low-flying aircraft go by, I, I wondered, you know, is this it? So when he was directing the movie, he didn't hold back. He did everything he could to show on screen how gruesome a nuclear war would be. Everything burnt, everything dead, everything broken, whether you're talking about animals, livestock, people, buildings. And Nicholas got more and more disturbed by what he was seeing every day on the set. He needed to show this awful scenario in living rooms across the country. I wasn't out to do any propaganda. I just wanted to say, look, if you have a nuclear war, it's going to be bad, and let them decide what they wanted to do with that information after they had had a glimpse of it. There's no question that the most disturbing moment in the movie for for me is the sequence where all the missiles take off. And there's a football game in progress in, in Lawrence, Kansas. Football game's going on. 
And suddenly you see these contrails zooming up from beyond the stadium and uh, a student and a teacher get into a conversation. What's going on? Those are Miniman missiles. Like a test, sort of. Like a warning? They're on their way to Russia. They take about 30 minutes to reach their target. So do theirs, right? After the bombs land, it becomes clear that you don't necessarily want to survive. There's this scene of thousands of people piled on top of each other on the floor of a huge gymnasium, and they're all wasting away and groaning in pain. And they also suffered uh, skin lesions and loss of hair and all the symptoms of advancing radiation sickness. I can't keep nothing in. Not even my own hair. I got, I got, I got these bruises, like, all, all on my arms, see? It's real bad. And the camera just pulls back and back and back. And, and it's not until you play it back that you go, Jesus Christ. He was so freaked out that when ABC tried to make edits and cuts, he had put so much pressure on the whole thing, he just lost it. I found myself resigning um, and leaving the cutting room and going home. It just invested so much of my heart, my brain, my guts. I was suicidal. I just thought, well, that's it. You know, I'll just pull the covers over my head and turn on the gas. Why? Like, would you have felt that way about Star Trek? That's a, it's a very good question. I did understand that this was different from Star Trek. Uh, This was definitely about, you know, trying to change the world. Did you think that this made-for-TV movie was going to be responsible for averting nuclear holocaust? Like, when you were really in it. I think what I thought was, if I showed people some version, some vision of what a nuclear war would look like or what the aftermath would look like, that it might serve to mobilize what was then called the nuclear freeze movement. It was right in the middle of Nicholas making this film when Reagan made his famous Evil Empire speech, insisting that we needed to build trillions of dollars worth of nuclear weapons to preserve American values. The truth is that a freeze now would be a very dangerous fraud. The reality is that we must find peace through strength. When the movie was finally set to air, ABC set up 24-hour emergency hotlines for distressed viewers. Mr. Rogers devoted five episodes of his show to talking to kids about war. In the show's King Friday of Make-Believe, mistakenly thinks a neighboring town is plotting to bomb him. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? And uh, doctors were telling uh, families whether their kids should be allowed to see the movie and church associations were going to have people watching the movie in groups holding hands. Before the movie begins, we would like to caution parents about the graphic depiction of nuclear explosions and their devastating effects. In homes where young people are watching, we'd like to suggest that the family watch together so that parents can be on hand to answer questions and discuss... And the next morning I woke up astounded to learn that a hundred million people had watched this movie. 
which makes it the most watched movie ever made for television. So what Nicholas wanted to know was, what was the impact? The press, in their eagerness to help, went around with an instant morning-after survey, a day-after-day-after survey, in which they thrust microphones in front of people and said, did this movie change your mind about a winnable nuclear war? Yay or nay? And then came back, I think, slightly gleeful to me to say, well, according to our instant poll, your movie didn't change anybody's mind about nuclear war one way or the other. What do you have to say about that, Mr. Meyer? But I put the best face on it that I could, and I said, well, I think it's a little too early to say. I was certainly disappointed and uh, brought low. Do you think anybody's going to say, oh, yes, I watched a TV movie last night and I changed my mind about nuclear war? But some folks say it did change minds. David Courtright was president of the Committee for a Sane Nuclear Policy in the 80s. It was really one of the dramatic and most significant events of that whole decade in terms of popular culture. David, when I was talking to Nicholas Meyer, the director, he said that he really hoped the movie helped the nuclear freeze movement. Do you think that happened? Oh, absolutely. It really had a catalytic effect in helping to build support for nuclear disarmament. It did scare the crap out of people, like it scared me. And one of the people the film affected was a pretty important one. Again, director Nicholas Meyer. I didn't find it out for a a long time. I didn't find out that one person had changed his mind essentially overnight or certainly within the next couple of days and that that person was Ronald Reagan, the president of the United States. In 1990, Reagan published his autobiography. He talks about the day after and, and how it affected him. This is what Reagan wrote in his diary. Columbus Day. In the morning at Camp D, I ran the tape of a movie ABC is running. It's called The Day After. It's very powerfully done. My own reaction? We have to do all we can to see there is never a nuclear war. And of course, that became Reagan's own mantra. Nuclear war could never be won and must never be fought. It was soon after that that he started to use this phrase. So maybe it turned out to be a valuable thing after all. I, you know, I think for a while could lie awake at night, stare at the ceiling and say, my God, I actually did something in this life, something good. Four years later, Reagan and Gorbachev signed the Intermediate Range Nuclear Forces Treaty. It was the first time in history that nations agreed to destroy any nuclear missiles. In this case, the complete elimination of an entire class of U.S. and Soviet nuclear missiles. Big thanks to Nicholas Meyer for sharing his story with the SNAP. It was produced by Anna Sussman with sound design by Renzo Gorio. And we should let you know that the film was screened in Russia and in Cuba, all over the world. And everywhere it was shown, 
people had the bejesus scared out of them. 